This podcast episode is sponsored by Statera. Statera is a web-based application that helps youth athletes and their stakeholders estimate training load, track maturation status, monitor readiness, and manage injury. Put together by coaches working with busy youth athletes, Statera helps keep things simple and brings together the most important training information in one place to ensure that effective athlete-centered decisions can be made. No more complicated Excel tutorials and spreadsheets, just upload your athletes' data and their training schedule and start to take control of their training commitments and workload. Make more informed decisions and protect your athletes' well-being, supporting their performance. Statera takes your data very seriously. GDPR compliant and registered with the ICO, choose from a range of maturation indices and validated measures or customize your own. Statera can record any training variable and all your data is fully exportable. To reach out today and get a free walkthrough, head over to www.statera.uk. That's S-T-A-T-E-R-A dot U-K. Welcome to the LTAD Network Podcast. I'm your host, Rob Anderson, and today I'm speaking with David Jackson. David, or Jacko, is an advanced oxygen advantage breathwork coach, a former professional rugby player, accredited UKSCA strength and conditioning coach, NASM performance enhancement and corrective exercise specialist, and the co-founder of the School of Calisthenics combining movement and breath work to develop freedom in our bodies and minds. Having worked with professional and recreational athletes to enhance performance through better breathing, as well as clients seeking better stress management through breath work, David is passionate about helping everyone fulfill their true potential through enhancing their breathing, whatever their goals. You may remember that Jacko appeared on Series 2, Episode 3 of the Athletic Evolution podcast to discuss his calisthenics. This time around, we're talking about his newfound interest in breathing and breath work. So welcome back, Jacko. It's cool to have you on the podcast again for a second time. We don't get many second time visitors, so thanks for your time. Yeah, thanks for having me. I feel quite privileged then. I didn't, uh, we've, had, <laughs> we've had people back three times on our podcast. We're already out of guests, so we just get people back on again. So I've been following some of the bits and pieces you've been doing. So obviously the School of Calisthenics stuff and what you guys have been doing there. I've noticed you kind of, I guess, having a curiosity and starting to pull on a few threads around breathing and nasal breathing and, and oxygen, all that kind of stuff. And it's, it's been one of the things that I, I guess a bit like you, I've had curiosity in, but I've not dived in as much as you. So I really wanted to touch base and just pick your brain on what you're learning and how you're finding it applies and all those kind of things. So talk us through a bit about what, what kind of put the question mark in your head about, you know, breathing to start with. Yeah. Um, well, even I interested, like a, a, a little anecdote of a, a conversation with two professional uh, triathletes um what a couple of weeks ago where someone had put them someone was like have you uh, are you doing any stuff around your breathing um you need to speak to jacko yeah yeah so i, I speak to these two guys and they're, they're coming from a point of like normally people you, you you have a conversation with someone that's like they've either read the oxygen book or they've come across someone like wim hof and they're like they understand like okay i think i want to do something about my breathing so i was speaking to these two professional triathletes who were like not really thought about it at all, but someone's told me it's important and I should speak to you. I'm like, okay. And ask them the question like, do you, and this is a question you almost like to ask yourself and people listen, like, do we think that the fact that every cell within your body needs oxygen to create energy, is it going to be important how efficiently we get that oxygen to the cells, not just into the body, like to the cells? And you like go, and they go, like, well, yeah. Actually, I've never really thought about it, but it's like, yeah, I guess it, I guess it does. And it's like, well, breathing is the only way you get it in. You don't like, you know, you don't suck it in through your ass or anything like that. Maybe some people do, but generally you know, <laughs> how you breathe it in and how you breathe it in, it does, it does matter. And it does impact how well you get oxygen into the lungs. It does impact how well oxygen gets transferred from your lungs to your blood. And it does impact how well oxygen gets from your blood into the actual tissues. Um, and for me, uh, I, I retired from rugby in 2013 with a head injury. And I think some of my issues have stemmed from that, but at the time I didn't know. I just started exploring this concept and this idea of like something doesn't feel quite right. And it used to, it probably like it always, you know, from that head injury, I've I've made a full recovery, but like things like issues around my neck and stuff, like it was a bit of a whiplash injury as part of it. I had a seizure and a bleed on the brain. And um I've I've it was like you've made a full recovery, but just something didn't feel quite right. Like on the you can't describe it. It's like just something on the inside. And I started it was like 
asking myself the question or posing like what things are like going on or like in the background that you're not really aware of and potentially if you're doing it wrong like it's going to have a large impact so we can be breathing if we're over breathing certainly like 20 25 000 times a day that's using like muscles like the diaphragm to breathe and it is a is a movement pattern we don't necessarily think of it as like a squat or a lunge like being a movement pattern but it's still a movement pattern it's using muscles and there's joints are moving ribs are moving um and if you're doing that wrong that many for that many reps in a day like it made sense to me i was like well kind of yeah that could have that could probably have quite a profound effect on like how your body feels and how your body moves and everything so um just asking myself then the question like am i breathing correctly am i breathing right and i couldn't answer that <laughs> and it was like how do you know if you're breathing right when you start trying to do some bits and then you know um, i probably explored a few different things you come across people like wim hoff have done an amazing job of like bringing um, the awareness of like what the breath can do um to, with the body and to the body and uh and you know he his focus he does a lot of stuff on um, some of the more the the, the hormone, amazing hormonal changes you can make within the body as opposed to uh, retrain. I needed retraining of breathing patterns, breathing habits and resetting of carbon dioxide tolerance with carbon dioxide being your um, primary stimulus to breathe. Like we, we have a, a message from the brain to the diaphragm is sent when the receptors in the respiratory center that are sensitive to, to pH levels, which are related to carbon dioxide, when, when, uh, when that CO2 rises to affect the pH, not because oxygen's gone down low, which is probably like as a kid, we get taught at school, you're like, I don't, I don't even know if you would do it, but just the general notion is sort of like, we know it's a simplified thing, but it's like breathe in oxygen, breathe out CO2. And we think that carbon dioxide is this like, then it gives the notion that this that carbon dioxide is a, is a waste product, it's created in the cells as a byproduct. So then we sort of think we just have to, and we do breathe it out, we have to get rid of it as it being a bad thing. So almost thinking that probably the more of it that we can get out, the better, but it's actually the opposite. Um, of that if we get rid of too much co2 our our sensitivity to it increases we adapt basically poorly we become less tolerable of it more sensitive to it when you become less sensitive uh, so when you become more sensitive to carbon dioxide and that being your trigger to breathe you more regularly and more quickly get messages from the brain telling you to breathe so your breathing rate increases rather than breathing a nice sort of calm 10 to 12 breaths per minute you're up at like 15 16 and then it's a, it creates a vicious cycle because the more you're doing, the more you're breathing out carbon dioxide and then it gets, you start getting faster and faster and without thinking about it, you're sat there at rest, breathing at 20 breaths per minute. And that's like what I'm doing when I'm jogging. And it's like, but I'm sat here still. Why would I be, why am I breathing like I'm jogging when I'm sat still? Like that's not a, that's not a good thing. That's, there's something amiss here. And, um, you know, look, deep, delving a bit deeper into, um, into, into the breathing where I came, got put onto the oxygen advantage from um, Richie Norton is a strength temple. Uh, people come across him on just like yoga and breath work. Uh, he's trained with XPT as well, those guys. Um, put me onto oxygen advantage and it's like reading in, reading the book on oxygen advantage from the work Patrick McKeon's done for over 20 years about breathing was like, right, okay, this is, this is now starting to make sense. And then finding out some of the work, uh, a lot of it actually from Dr. Cobb at Z Health Performance, done a lot of work on like how concussions and head injuries affect um, oxygen and blood supply to the brain and how things like breath holding and retraining breathing habits can help restore that and then starting to connect the dots of like okay this makes sense like this is why it's not working for me and this is why this is not feeling good um, and potentially dates back yeah dates dates back to then and so um, it took a it took is a is a long journey for me it wasn't a case of like few I got a bit of a win early doors where I was into my like park runs back before COVID. Well, park runs back on now after COVID is about seven double, but uh, got a bit of an easy win where I was like, I'd just been practicing nasal breathing. That's one of the big things with the oxygenators that the, the the understanding that the nose is designed for breathing. There's 30 different functions of the nose. One of the great things that show it's designed for breathing that the mouth doesn't have. The mouth is designed for eating. Um, you know, you could a kid stuff everyone's as a kid has stuffed a pee up their nose and like snorted it up and got it into their throat and then eaten it proving that you can eat with your nose, but no one does it. Like you can breathe with your mouth, but it's not designed for that. Um, it, it creates trauma to the airways. There's no protection. Um, it dehydrates us. We, 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 get, we lose 42% more um, moisture from the mouth when we're mouth breathing compared to nasal breathing. So we get dehydrated. That's bad. Breathing through the mouth at night is a good example of that. But breathing through the mouth when we're exercising, when you don't want to get dehydrated when you're exercising anyway, or more susceptible to it, like trying to keep the, the mouth shut during that. 
but it's harder at first to breathe through your nose when you've not been using it. Um, but that just because it's harder doesn't mean it's not right to do. Um, and uh, yeah, those, those different functions of the nose, it protects the airways. It helps slow down our breathing because there's more resistance to our breathing with those, no, those holes within your nose being smaller than the mouth. But it slows it down and provides some resistance in a good way. It gives the diaphragm something to pull against. Nose breathing is much more related to, to uh, diaphragmatic breathing. But just because I found that like, okay, I need to nose breathe for all these good reasons. We've got, there's nitric oxide as a gas in the na nasal cavity as well that um, is a vasodilator, helps open up and clear the nose. So the more you use it, it feels a bit clearer because you're getting used to using it and that helps open up the blood vessels uh, and clear those airways. It helps distribute nitric oxide, distribute blood within the lungs more evenly. So we get a better efficient transfer of oxygen from when, they're in, when it's in the lungs into the blood. So that's one step that we, that we can increase our efficiency of oxygen delivery uh, in that first stage of the of the breathing process but um yeah the you go to it you go right nasal breathing but then you've got this poor habit of like upper chest like vertical shallow breathing and like i can breathe i can breathe fast and poor and vertically uh, with my shoulders and rib uh, and, and chest like lifting the rib cage through my nose it's like i need to, to retrain the whole thing first for a lot of people breathing like trying to switch to breathing through the nose it's like, okay, like it, it's depending on how far you've gone away from like good quality breathing or how dysfunctional your breathing is, um, it, you will have to do more or less retraining, if that makes sense. Um, so, yeah, that, that, that for me, it took, it took quite a while and quite a lot of mistakes along the, not mistakes along the way, just, or just like trying, but not really doing the right thing. You know, when you're like someone's, uh, like anything like, you know, if you know a little bit more about something than someone else and it's like, you know, a little bit, say if you, as a trainer, you might, you might not be trained in nutrition, but you know a little bit more about nutrition than, than your next door neighbor or whoever maybe. And they're trying to lose weight and they're like, oh, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm having Muller light now instead of whatever other yogurt they're having. And you're like going, ah, oh, you're like, it's just full of sugar. You're trying to do the right thing, but you're actually doing the, the worst thing or type of, type of snow. And it's like, I was trying to do some of the right things, but I wasn't making the type of progress I was hoping for. And that's when I then um, decided to, to do the advanced instructor training and get trained by Patrick McKeon, who's like, you know, the author of the, and creator of the Oxygen Advantage. And he's had 20 years experience in like, you know, gone deep into the research on, on, on breath work and the effects that breath holding and slowing down our breathing can have on our overall like wellness, as well as our sport, the, the, the elements of sports performance that we get, some of the things like the, the effects of altitude training that we can have through breath holding. So um, that for me was when the sort of flipped a bit of a, there was some aha moments of like, all right, I get it now. And that then, you know, and I was doing it purely just to help myself. Uh, sounds, sounds a bit selfish when I think say it like that, but I just was just trying to learn it for my, I just wasn't, it was trying, I was trying to like re, yeah, retrain my own, my own breathing and reset things for myself. The, what's happened since then over the last couple of years is that, um, yeah, I can, like I do with anything, the same with, when, with the calisthenics, anything that you like, you sort of get passionate about and you can't help tell, telling other people, I'm like, shut your mouth, breathe through your nose. And like, it's just like, and then all of a sudden, um, it's been nice for me in a way of, I'd probably not done much within rugby for, for a little while. And, um, yeah, so uh, connecting again with some people within the world of rugby because, you know, the breath work is starting to become thing that, you know, sports like that are, are interested to explore. And it's great to see uh, both sides of the sports performance side of it and the athlete well-being elements of breath retraining breathing, improving our breathing and breath work is, is coming in. It's been, yeah, it's been nice for me to reconnect within in the rugby world as well. Sorry, that's I've I've literally just talked for probably about twenty minutes there. <laughs> that's right. That's one question that you said hello, and I went, hey, <laughs> here it is. No, it's good, man. I think it's really interesting. Like, you know, a lot of things come in and out of fashion, don't they, over the years? And like, yeah. obviously, at the moment, there's a big emphasis on breath work, on sleep, on the feet, all these kind of things. And it's it's funny because you look at them; they're fundamental things. They're not like the icing on the cake. They are like if you don't sleep well, if you your feet are trashed and you don't breathe you can't be a high level sports performer. Like that's just not going to happen, but we do gloss over them and just take it for granted that these yeah. things are functioning well and people and have just, that as a baseline. And let's just say with two of those things, your breathing might not be related to your feet, but if you're breathing in a way that is sending uh, messages to your brain of, of, of a stress response of sympathetic tone, be, meaning like mouth breathing and upper chest breathing and which are linked to like in terms of sleeping, likely will be snoring, but we're also like, making ourselves dehydrated by breathing with the mouth 
you're sending messages to your brain of like fight or flight whilst you're asleep for eight hours. And you might be asleep for eight hours. And you've done all the right things. You've not looked at the TV screen. You've turned your phone on airplane mode. You've like, you haven't ate late before bed, but you're not breathing in a, in a stressful way in, in speech marks. And you're not getting that restorative, relaxing sleep because you're not setting, you're not, you're not shifting the body into that sympathetic, sympathetic tone. And like, it's a prime example of where that like breathing is behind because it's like, because it's automatic and it is linked into literally that autonomic nervous system, your heartbeat, how your body regulates blood pressure, like all of it, everything that it will, it will impact on your sleep. And if we, if we don't do something, if we, if, if we don't do something about it, you'll just carry on breathing anyway. The body's amazing. It won't like let you just die, but it, it can be doing it just because it's still doing it. it doesn't mean it's doing it dysfunction. It doesn't mean you're, uh, doesn't mean you're performing optimally. If you wake up in the morning feeling groggy with a dry mouth and you, t- and your wife or your husband or whoever you sleep with, your dog tells you, you snore, you snore a lot. Like you need to address your breathing and you're going to feel a million dollars compared to how you're currently feeling when you wake up. Um, That's yeah. literally the, the entry point I had. My, my wife said to me, what on earth is going on with you in your sleep? And then that's what made me think, okay, I need to have a little look into this. And that's when we obviously had the discussion about mouth taping and that kind of yeah. stuff that had come up. It was really interesting. So like, I, we could obviously go into the specifics of it, but, but kind of across the board, what are some of the benefits or, or adaptations that happen off the back of focusing on your breathing and some of the breath work you've been engaging in? Um, so... Probably like two, there's two main areas are um, improving recovery and break recovery down into two, two aspects of like post-training recovery, as well as like recovery in a, um, in a, in a, in a match or in a training scenario, like what in, in whilst you're doing actual exercise, um, that'd be what, that's one area. And then the other area is um, where things like breath holding can start to stimulate adaptations in the body that will help us with um, the buffering capacity of the of the muscle tissues themselves as we expose it to higher levels of H plus ions from that get created as part of the um, as part of that process with elevated levels of, of carbon dioxide that build up in the body when you're holding your breath. Um, the other side of it, when you're holding your breath after a, after an exhale, which is how we do all the breath holding with the oxygen advantage, that's to, to create this hypoxic effect so hypoxia just meaning fancy with low oxygen so basically you've you've done an exhale and you're not breathing in anymore so oxygen gets pretty low within the within the blood as it goes into the tissues and you're not replenishing it all the research is on um like looking at uh, things like free divers that do a lot of like breath holding and then they've done like stuff around like just normal people do breath holding. there's even some like really there's a nice one in rugby of repeat spintability with breath holding compared to non-breath holding and um there's one of the key elements of it is for the uh, improving the oxygen carrying capacity of the blood. So um, when we hold the breath, we create some adaptations to higher levels of CO2. Yeah. And some of those adaptations are just restoring the sensitivity that the respiratory, so those chemo receptors in the respiratory center have to the carbon dioxide to allow you to be able to slow down your breathing. That's going to change your breathing at night when you're not in control of it. That's going to control your breathing, your day-to-day breathing and help it be slower. That's going to uh, improve your body's ability to tolerate higher levels of CO2, and therefore uh, environments that are uh, high in H plus ions, like them, with, like in those sort of lactate threshold work that we're, that we're looking at. So um, there's some studies that uh, VO2 max has increased by over uh, 10% within within eight weeks using breath holding. Uh, I think they were doing five reps three times a week. Um, and what's what's common with the breath holding is like. Five repetitions seems to be like the, the magic number, let's say, um, that doing more than that doesn't really seem to have like the, any more like bent. It's not like doing 10 is twice as good as doing five. Um, and when breath holding gets um, challenging and above 30 seconds after a normal exhale, so not hyperventilating beforehand, like with sort of Wim Hof method or after an inhale, you're just like taking oxygen that's going to stay there for longer. We're trying to get the body to respond to low levels of oxygen. So this hypoxia, when you get your blood oxygen saturations to drop to uh, mid to low 80s, that's like being at three or 4,000 meters of altitude. Some of the effects that people go and train at altitude for are um, in those with that sort of scenario. And the research shows us it seems to be around 30 seconds that it happens when it's a challenging breath hold. This, what two things happen, the spleen contracts immediately to try, uh, the spleen's like a blood bank holds about 8% of additional red blood cells to release some more red blood cells 
into the system, which makes sense because you like go the system's response to well, crack your oxygen's down. You got to think your body is amazingly designed to go like if something's kicking off, it's got ways to try and help you out. So like it's noticing oxygen's going down, crikey. Like let's give you some more red blood cells because that's going to help you carry more oxygen to the tissues. Um, that spleen contraction happens immediately and is strongest after five breath holds over 30 seconds. Um, and the, the literature is sort of a bit, it can be like, whether it's like up to an hour or a few hours, but eventually within a shortened period of time, it will, it will suck them back in almost, if you like. But if you think of a warm-up for, um, if I'm playing a rugby match, in the warm-up before the game starts, I want to have more red blood cells going around my system. And then if it only lasts an hour, well, at half time, I can do a, few, a couple more uh, breath holds just to boost me for the second half. Yeah, There is a longer term effect with that um, where the other response is from the kidneys to produce naturally more EPO. Um, I think there was uh, 24% off the top of my head. I sound like a right geek. I've been trying to study some. I, was, I had to do a presentation, so I was like studying some, um, trying to remember some stats for a presentation. I think it was 20, 24% increase in EPO after five, uh, after five breath holds um, once a day, uh, but the delay for actual increased levels of um, red blood cells takes about three or four days. So the, the kidneys produce more EPO and then the bone marrow within, within a few days starts to produce more red blood cells. And that then builds up over time if you regularly do five breath holds a day. Whereas going to altitude for training is fantastic and we get some of these same benefits, but you come back to sea level and compete, great, then a few, I don't know exactly how long it is, but after a few weeks of then not being at altitude, you adapt back to being at sea level. Whereas with breath holding, five per day is the protocol, um, over 30 seconds. For some people, um, even if they're really bad at the start, um, I will get guys doing like, maybe they can do, we often do them like walking to start with. They can do like 20, 25 or 30 steps. I thought I was going to die the first time I tried to do a breath hold and, of, after an exhale with, and got to 20 steps and I was like, I'm suffocating. But the reality was my brain thought oxygen was low. And I put on my uh, pulse oximeter, which just measures your blood oxygen saturation. It was like, Jacket, it's at 98%. And I was like, ah, <laughs> I need to believe the science, but I feel the sensations are like I'm suffocating. Um, but yeah, I get people, people can comfortably now within two or three weeks go uh, and get with a bit of practice and a bit of coaching, get up to being able to do 30 second breath holds, walking, jogging. And the idea being, I want you to get to 30 seconds comfortably, easily, so that actually we can change the metabolic demand of the exercise to make it fit into your warm-ups easier. So you've got a warm-up routine where you're doing some light level exercises, but it's not going to be walking. You might be doing some lunges and whatever else you're doing. And yet when you get comfortable at doing some good breath holds, you can do them in your warm-up. So you're not doing anything extra. It's just fitted into what you're already doing. But you're then setting the system up to have a, a, a large oxygen carrying capacity of the blood because that stimulation of, of red blood cells. And over a period of time, you're just gradually increasing that. Um, and uh, yeah, that's some of the that's some of like the the sort of blood sciences or blood gases that affects the the recovery side of things. Then split into those two parts of like during a during exercise. If we are the mechanics of how we breathe, really important. So um, making sure that we've got lower the the the, the uh, lower ribs are moving and that the breath is coming from from lower down, from deeper down. Not necessarily the concept of belly breathing, meaning coming from deeper down, but the belly is not. A breathing muscle the belly doesn't house your lungs like belly breathing is the concept of breathing from low down rather than using the upper chest is good but we need to be using the diaphragm and for the diaphragm to be able to move down and flatten out it's housed within the rib cage the lower part of the rib cage those lower ribs need to move laterally and out of the way to allow space for the diaphragm to move down they have to then come together back together to allow the diaphragm to go back to its resting position if your ribs aren't moving your diaphragm isn't got the space to move effectively. And what you'll end up having is like poor, either poor inhales and exhales or vice versa, or just what, but you'll also have like tightness then within your diaphragm and you've went, your, your body will find it more difficult to do that. So you'll just opt for the easier option, which is lift the ribcage. And you end up having, it's like, I've always got tight pecs and tight neck and traps. And it's like, well, okay, it could be a number of different things, but one of the things, if your breathing's terrible, uh, it's likely that you're doing 25,000 reps of like shoulder shrugs <laughs> every day, every time you're breathing. And like, yeah, of course your shoulders are going to be tight. And of course your pec's mind is going to be tight. It's pulling on your rib cage constantly to help you breathe. He can do that. Pec manner can do that, but it's not his job to do that. And then your shoulder feels crap. But potentially not, you know, not saying breathing is like the answer for all things, but it could be part of the puzzle and solution of improving your breathing to help with that. 
So um, but yeah, how you breathe um, from low down using the diaphragm, meaning we can get better at how we get oxygen into the body. If the worst type of breathing physiologically and mentally is the fast panting breath. <sighs> and it's when you see someone out jogging and they're running at like, a fairly low aerobic pace and it's like you're 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 like a panting dog and why why are you panting like you're you're excessively breathing faster than your body needs that blows off a lot of that carbon dioxide and then when carbon dioxide is low within the body hemoglobin that carries red blood uh, carries the oxygen uh, within red blood cells keeps like a stronger affinity to the oxygen when co2 like when you can tolerate higher levels of co2 pH of the blood drops slightly, that allows the affinity or the attachment that hemoglobin has to oxygen to be like lessened or weakened or reduced, and oxygen transfers more efficiently out of the blood into the tissues. And that's when you can then, that's when you eventually then start to not feel like you're out of breath all the time. But we have this vicious cycle of breathing fast, getting rid of carbon dioxide, the oxygen that state gets in the body, stays more strongly attached within the in natural blood, within the, uh, to the hemoglobin, and therefore you still feel out of breath. So you then carry on breathing faster. Um, with the panting breath as well, you're actually you're not filling the lungs and you're not uh, being efficient in how you get out the how you fill the lungs. So with every breath we take, um, oh, it sounds like I said, every, <laughs> every breath you take, there's about 150 milliliters, depending on obviously the size of the person, of what we call dead space or what they, people call dead space within the within the lungs, within the airways, within the little air sacs that can't be occupied. So if I take, let's do simple math. If I take 10 breaths per minute. Um, I'm wasting one and a half liters. If I'm taking 20 breaths per minute, I'm wasting three liters. So if I can slow my breathing rate down, rather than being <laughs> fast panting, I can slow it down, even if it's from the mouth still. <sighs> if it's as long as I make proportionally, as they slow down the speed of them, I proportionally make them larger, I'm getting more usable air and oxygen actually into the lungs. If I make that from the nose, I'm getting that nice nitric oxide, which is helping dilate all the blood vessels, uh, helping distribute the blood within the lungs more evenly. Um, then that's going to allow better transfer of oxygen from the from the lungs into the blood. If I'm breathing through the nose still, um, that's slowing down my breathing because it's providing some resistance. I'm using the diaphragm, which is going to be good as well, and that allows those levels of CO2 to rise, which means oxygen is going to then be more efficiently delivered and released from the hemoglobin in the red blood cells into the tissues. Uh, CO2 also helps with like um, blood pressure regulation and, and, and circulation and, and smooth muscle, um, muscle tissue. So there's this, there's this notion that CO2 is bad and we have to get it out. But the reality is we, um, we need to try and hold on to a bit of it. We need to improve our body's ability to be comfortable um, with that. Um, and then the other thing with, uh, so how we breathe. Because the other thing, let's say about how we breathe with um, body language if you're on a rugby field and you look at the upper person opposite you, and you're, you know, you're packing down in the scrum or, I mean, I was a back, so I was never trying to intimidate anybody, but say, say, say you're, you're, you're into intimidate or you just see the opposition and they are on their knees or hands on their knees, fast panting breathing. You can see them with their mouth open. You can see them upper chest breathing. You don't, you've never been trained or taught anything about breathing. You already intuitively know that guy is goosed. He is done. Give me the ball or give him, if he gets the ball and runs to me, I am hammering him. As long as you don't feel like the guy that is also <laughs> fast panting breathing. If you look up and you're fast panting breathing and the guy in front of you looks nice and calm and his nasal breathing, you're thinking, uh-oh. Like, utterly, uh, you know that intuitively. And it's also like, what message are we sending to our teammates? Um, you know, if my breathing tells you how basically knackered I am, how done I am. Um, so it's and it's also not efficient in terms of actually you recovering because you're wasting too much air in dead space. Um, the, the classic one I always think of people have had if you've ever been running or done something like a, a, a park run or running where there's people with you. If someone comes up behind you and you know the type you can you can hear them they're like <laughs> and you think okay good one mate like good good on you but uh, this is early doors and even if you go past me I will see you later because there is no way. You can keep up that good pace you're doing now when you're breathing like that. You, we, I knew this before I knew anything about breathing. You just intuitively know it. So you're like, okay, I've got you. And then the other, the other way around comes like somewhat you're blowing and you're like, you can hear your breathing. You're like, ah, ah, and it's towards the back end of the race. And you're trying to like 
you know, you, you, you're you in fifth and you're like going to be your PB or whatever. And like you hear someone come up, you hear their footsteps, but you can't hear them breathing. And then they just like come up alongside you and you can barely hear them breathing. You're like, uh-oh, <laughs> I'm breathing like a train here. Like, I, and you try and stay with them and then eventually just mentally you just give up because you're like, he's got way more in the tank. I can't even hear him breathing. I can just hear his footsteps. And so there's some of this stuff. I think we, we actually, if we ask ourselves and think about it, we know some of this stuff intuitively, which is one of the things I love about it because um, we can really start to connect to it. Um, the, the final bit of like post-training recovery of like this ability to, if we, our exhales are related to our parasympathetic response. If I can slow down my exhales, they've shown that like, Breathing with the diaphragm will help um, stimulate the vagus nerve, which is also helpful for that. You know, the vagus nerve runs through the diaphragm. Um, if I can extend and slow down my exhales, I can create this like parasympathetic shift within the body, this rest, digest, relaxation. Uh, you know when you're doing it because you notice a buildup of saliva in the mouth, which is a sign that you're shifting towards that parasympathetic relaxation, digestion state. So it's a good reason to do that before, slow down and control our breathing gently and softly and extend exhales slightly for a few minutes before eating meals to prepare the body for taking up this nutrient. The saliva is a sign of that. Doing it before we go to bed helps create that relaxation state for the body to actually have a restorative night's sleep. Um, and you know that's a, that can be as simple as uh, a nice breath cycle to do is four seconds in, six seconds on the exhale, so a slightly longer exhale. Four in, six out means one breath cycle is 10 seconds. Uh, that's gonna give us a breathing rate of six breaths per minute. All the research on like the sort of like ideal breathing rate to practice for people to like down regulate is 5.5 to six breaths per minute. Um, so the, the four in six out is a classic one that a lot of people will have come across. And you know anything where you go like whether you whether you speak to someone like Dan Brule in, in the breathing world or whether you speak to Patrick McKeon or James Nestor or um, XPT guy like doesn't matter who you are if you if you say four in six out is that a decent thing for me to practice everyone agrees on that because all the all the all the research that's been done uh, confirms it so it's a, it's a nice simple one to do um depending on how bad your breathing rates are currently and how poor your sensitivity or your tolerance to, to co2 is you might find four in six out too slow and you feel out of breath doing that so we just bring it back and we go three in five out and even if that's too difficult two in four out so th there's ways to manipulate it, but gradually, if you practice these things, you like anything, you get better at doing them. Mm. Apologies again, I've just that's another. No, 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 it's really interesting. It's, it's, it's <laughs> awesome to hear, and obviously, you know, you the fact that you can reel off all the different elements and the protocols. Well, I just say shows... the same things over and over again, mate. It's not actually don't, don't, <laughs> this is all I've got. I ain't got anything else. <laughs> no, it's interesting because, like, as we're speaking, I'm remembering things that I've come across. So I don't know if you've read Phil Jackson's Eleven Rings about coaching um, uh, the Chicago Bulls and, and the Boston Celtics, I think it was. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Um, and he talked about how he used a lot of that kind of stuff in the change room in like the 90s. Um, yeah. And then Cal Dietz using mouth-taped conditioning in his sessions in the triphasic program. And so, you know, when you start to see different threads and you think, oh, that's similar to this. And that, people are talking about that. And this person also spoke about it. And you can start to see there's something here. I think that's what, that's what I've realized in my thought process. The first time something comes up, I dismiss it. The second or third time you go, okay, maybe there's something here. And especially when you see different people in different places, in different contexts, yeah. using it in some, some way, you start to think, okay, there's something here I'm not, I'm missing. And I, think, I always think of if all, if you, if you're like, they're all people that you trust, hmm. they're not linked, but this thing is linking them. You're like, yeah, this is, a, this is potentially a thing. And like you said around, um, like what you said of certain things like come and go as fads. Uh, where something as basic as and fundamental as like breathing and sleep and feet, as you said, are those, I go, I, I just like breathing, breathing for me, just, I cannot see how it's going to be a fad because you can't just suck it off because you're going to die if you don't do it. And then, and the, 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 the honest truth of going, yeah, it doesn't really matter. That just, that just doesn't, that is just not true. Like it, it, it it's been shown to matter in like, Someone could practice that four and six out now, right now, whilst they're listening to the podcast. And you will notice more saliva building up in your mouth. And like that is a, a sign that that is doing something to your body in terms of a relaxation state. So, yeah, these um, these things are it's difficult to think how how it could how it's how it could be a fad. And it's, it's I cannot see it going anywhere. It's only going to be something that just just becomes the norm that you're. Your SNC coach will, you know, I'd love it to see if you're like your SNC coach or your physio or some sort of some member of the support staff. Like they're just trained, they're trained in breath work. It's not a big thing. And, and the players know that. So yeah, when I'm 
when I need to recover, I breathe like this and we do some breath holds in the warm up because that's good for me. And it's just not a, at the moment, it's like this thing that's like, it's got a bit of a buzz around it because it's new and it's the thing. Um, but some of the research goes back over a hundred years, but it for some reason hasn't come out. But as mm. all these things do, they tend to come out in sport first. Um, and then, then it, it starts to become more sort of general, general population. You know, I, I do, I, I, I work with, um, with a GP who, refers clients that are struggling with some like autoimmune disorders and things and where, where clients that she notices that their breathing is causing like stress and anxiety. And um, we do some work together to help, um, help the breathing from, from that side of things. So, you know, and, and interestingly, it's the, like the sports performance and the, and trying to help someone manage stress and anxiety. Like they're two different things, but the fundamentals of it are still the same. We've got to improve the way we breathe. Mm. No, I think it's massively interesting, and it's it is something as you say. I mean, obviously the research goes back a hundred years, but you look at practices in yoga and all those kind of things go back oh. nearly a thousand years. You know, yeah. so it's kind of those, this old things made new again kind of kind of situation. Yeah. But it's just now, I guess we we can appreciate there's there's some holistic benefits or some other things, and I think that's you know when people are shining a light on it, and actually as you're saying, it's kind of chicken or egg. You know, is your breathing causing you anxiety, or is your anxiety showing up in your breathing? You know, is your stress being exacerbated by your breathing or vice yeah. versa? Yeah. You know, it's kind of hard to know which one started this chain reaction, but actually we can get control of it and we can produce some positive benefits by getting hold of that breathing and, and, and yeah. changing that. So is it those, is it breath holds and that kind of four and six out? Are those the two primary things that, that are in the kind of toolbox or are there other things that you, you think are important? Um, yeah, I mean, as, as the in the as basics in within the toolbox is like slowing down and lightening your breathing. Um, and practicing slower breathing that's like one of the and that's something that you can do in you know if you're looking for sports performance benefits like anything we need to build the base and the base is dictated by your day-to-day -day breathing habits if you come to me and we do one hour a day that would be amazing but likely to be one hour a week but let's say we do one hour a day of amazing breathing practicing then you go away and you've got 23 other hours where you breathe like crap and you sleep like crap it's going to be absolutely pointless. It's not going to have any effect. What's well, I don't know. It might have some, but you know I mean? generally, it's not really. So, what you're doing in your day-to-day -day breathing during the day whilst you're awake is going to affect how you then sleep and how you breathe when you sleep. How you breathe, how you breathe in those day-to-day -day general activities of like what's your norm, what's your body's habit, what's the cadence that you're going to breathe at, dictated by that um, that sensitivity to CO2, is going to affect your breathing and your your breathing during exercise when the demands are higher are just built on top of that. Nobody is terrible at breathing at rest. And then you put them on the field and it's like, oh, I'm an Olympic quality breather. Like it just doesn't happen. You only build up on those basics. So like a solid, like that's one of the great things about breathing. You're always doing it. And therefore you can actually not need to actually do extra training potentially to just be able to get better at it. Because if you've just got 24 hours a day, potentially 16 of them, let's say you're awake, like you can get better at doing it then. So a lot of it, the biggest tool in people's toolbox, I believe is awareness. Having that awareness allows you to like, try to think about that, try to breathe through your nose, try to notice how, uh, how you're breathing. Can you, can you feel your lower ribs moving? Can you notice the diaphragm working? Um, and being able to change your awareness on that of, uh, of how does your body feel when you do actually breathe a little bit better a little bit slower a little bit calmer you'll notice like it will feel better um, and start to tune into like okay when i breathe like this i, I feel a bit more like mm. and when i breathe like this i feel a bit like yeah and that i like, start to tune into how your body wants to respond in different scenarios and different situations um and then the breath like from a sports performance side of things but not even that just to, for anyone that can be helpful to you know increase our tolerance, like use the breath hold as a stressor to increase our tolerance of CO2 as well as increasing oxygen carrying capacity of it. Um, yeah, breath holding, that could be like you're out walking the dog and you can do some breath holds whilst you're doing that. It doesn't have to be this like thing that we have to add on as, a, as additional extra. If you're going to go out for a run, um, having a bit of a warm up, and this is the problem, like a lot of people don't, if they're just like, if we're just like a casual runner like me and I'm bad for this, and it's just like, put the trainers on and you start running, like rather than, we should do a warm up like for anything. Um, and the same with that cool downs. How many, how many, how many guys I speak to, like professional athletes or sports people, and I'm like, yeah, just so during your cool down, you can even if you like just like doing some low level stuff, like and some stretching, whatever, like you can do that four in six out. Then they're like, 
Like, what, what, what does your sort of cool down generally look like for the team or whatever? They're like, yeah, we don't really do one. I'm like, oh, crikey, like, why, how, how are we, how are we still not doing like some sort of like cool down? The idea of like bringing the system down after stressing it. Um, but yeah, for a lot of just like, if you're, if someone's just like an avid runner, for example, but you know, just likes doing it for fun, they probably don't do a warm up or a cool down, but it can be good to try to put some of these things in, uh, in, in to help with that. Um, but yeah, those two things are like our basic uh, basics in the toolbox. Um, and like anything, the better you can do the basics, like uh, the rest of it can sort of take care of itself. There's, there's a lot of other little things and things that we can do on, on top, but um, it's, it's, it's probably one of the great things about breathing is the simplicity of it. The difficulty of it is just like remembering to have that awareness and, and change your habits um, because you just have to do it. It's like that one hour a day, you're better off doing like 15 minutes four times throughout the day. Um, that, that, you know, that, that's, that's more of the challenge. And if you, depending if you was a bit like me at the start, like if your habits have been, you've been breathing poorly for quite a long time, it's quite difficult at the start to do. Mm. That kind of answers my next question. I was going to say, you know, where do you think this fits in terms of the life of an athlete? And it's not necessarily that it needs to have, I mean, you may, like you say, you know, do 10 minutes where you're specifically focusing on that, but it could just be, laying out over something you're already doing, taking the dog for a walk, you know, whatever you're, you're as you say, your cool down, your warm up, you can actually, it's not necessarily you need to create extra space. Potentially you could actually implement this into what you're already doing. Yeah. I think for, that's ultimately where I want to try to get people with when I work with them or work with the team um, is that, is that integration, integrate into what you're already doing rather than it's like, oh, crikey, we've been, Jacko's here and we've got to do this extra stuff. Like, no, no, it doesn't, it's not, you're going to be breathing anyway. So like, we don't need to do extra stuff just the reality at the beginning for some people, your, your introduction to breath holding, there's probably like a few weeks at the beginning where we just need to practice that a little bit away from like the training scenario, just so you get better and good enough at it so you can do it comfortably in a training warm up, for example. Um, the, the, like improving the habits and mechanics of how we breathe, it can be useful to like, I like to encourage a little bit of that, like in the morning before you do anything else, just to set the tone for the day and just free the ribs up connect to the diaphragm a bit better um you know there's some drills where like we we we, we do some breath holes nodding the head to unblock the nose some blocked inhalations to to contract the diaphragm so you actually feel it um feel it working and at the at the start for someone it's like you need to do that a little bit regularly as a separate thing because you're trying to retrain a habit but over time it's like you don't need to like you don't need to carry on doing that you know just think of a when someone starts off like, um, I don't know, bench pressing for the first time and you've just got the bar on, you're shaking over as you're learning how to do it and you get better, but you're not getting like stronger at first. You just get like, you're actually just getting neurally better at like controlling this thing. Um, but you have to practice doing that, that almost like practicing that skill. Um, but then after a while, you don't practice the skill. Like you wouldn't even call, I wouldn't even call bench, I haven't done bench press for a long time. It's a bad, bad example for me, but I wouldn't call it, a, I wouldn't call it a skill if you know what I mean. But when I was first learning it, I was like, I got to learn how to do this new thing. And um, it's, it's going to be the same with breathing. And, and changing something like breathing with habits is just that you've got to visit as many times, I believe, you've just got to visit as many times during the day as you can. And as you sort of, I think you were sort of coming on to there, like almost like habit stacking or like sticking, sticking onto a thing. So it's almost like what things you already do. It's like, oh, when, when you flick the coffee machine on, just use that as a trigger whilst you're waiting for it to, to, to heat up or whatever. Okay, practice some breathing. What's my awareness like? Where am I breathing from? How does it feel? Um, I just try to visit that, yeah, just during, during the day. You've probably got, if you're doing 20,000 breaths, you've got 20,000 times you can, you can try, and, uh, try and improve it. So where do you see this fitting in? I mean, I guess this is kind of a silly question again, because it's not, you know, you don't suddenly start breathing at age 18, but where do you think is in terms of those younger athletes do you think it could be a case of just you know as you say hey getting them in the habit of maybe calling down and as we're calling down hey we're gonna hold these stretches and talk of have a think and a focus on your breath like is that something is an easy as a youth athlete kind of entry point do you think yeah i mean i would love i would love the idea of like teach like why don't why why don't we teach people how to breathe like at school um and, and at least be encouraging people to to breathe through the nose like, like you know with youth athletes and you, the, the younger you start them like moving better the they're, they're better athletes when they're when they're when they're older and like if we're encouraging and teaching like kids breathe like 
kids breathe amazingly like because they haven't got any bad habits yet <laughs> um but when they as they start to get um i don't know I, i'm no expert in like the breathing of young children if you know what i mean but um just as we get as we all get exposed to more of the modern world we spend more time sitting and our hips get tight but part of sitting part of the damaging of things of sitting is like your breathing is going to be worse when you're sitting because when you sit with poor posture you don't create space for the ribs to be able to move and then all of a sudden your upper chest breathing not because of the the stress in the world like the me and you are struggling with if you're if we're stressed about paying our mortgage like you're you you're, that might affect your breathing that type of stress but as a kid you haven't it's, you haven't got those types of like worldly stresses but other things are going on to affect your breathing um and if we can educate them and encourage them and just ultimately like the very the very basics of like day to day of like breathe for your nose this is what it feels like for your ribs to move this is what it feels like for, to use your diaphragm good you got that right i want you to do that all the time every minute of every day of your life that's how we breathe there's, there's no point there's never a point where breathing <laughs> short shallow and fast through the mouth is really any good for anybody uh, there isn't really a scenario for that so um yeah teaching them the basics encourage them with nasal breathing um and and trying to generally the idea of like slowing down the breathing is is, is just a good thing day to day the, the, the slower your breathing is at rest the more comfortable and calm your breathing is at rest like you've got more capacity for it to build up when you're then starting to exercise if your breathing's quite fast and heavy at rest of course it's going to be out of control when you're exercising like it it just you don't even need to know anything about anything to to understand that concept no it, again it makes perfect sense doesn't it it gives you that threshold to to kind of push on from but if you're already up there high where are you going to go yeah exactly <laughs> you know you're going to do 300 breaths a minute <laughs> what are you going to be doing? I, like I, i've actually um i I've, i'm qualified as a, a secondary science school teacher and uh, I did one year. I did my NQT year, and I was like, right, that's enough. <laughs> but um, so I know. I'm saying that. I'm all I'm saying. The reason I'm saying is so I I know what it's talk about. Like teaching, I found teaching a stressful job, right? Um, and if you ask me, right, you've now got to do this other things where you've got to also teach them how to breathe. I'd be like, crap, I've got enough to do. Like, so it, it's it's finding ways to make these things easy for everybody to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know teachers do a fantastic job in a difficult job and they've probably got too much to think about already but there's trying to get things in early would be amazing it's just trying to find ways to facilitate that happening i would unfortunately probably think that we're a far cry from maybe there are some schools out there that are already thinking about already thinking about that and do that at like primary age or info or something uh, which would be great i'd love to hear about that if people do know of anything but um, yeah i think unfortunately we're probably a bit bit far away but we live in hope that like those types of things can can happen because the basics are really easy like someone could do like you know you could you could teach someone in a couple of hours just the basics that they could go through and then like they can you know the teacher can facilitate that so i've noticed that you are expanding and into a few different projects and bits and pieces so tell us about what else is going on with you what sort of things you've got lined up for the next year or 18 months in terms of fingers in different pies um well there's uh there's not that many pies and i've got that many fingers of this obviously the school calisthenics is um covid has meant that the, you know the vast majority of that well covid meant that all of it was online and, and the, the vast majority of it um is online it seems like people are people are still wanting that sort of flexibility of not needing to go to the gym and, and training from home so um but we but we are opening up there are some uh we've got like a retreat in the uk um, and we've got a trip to, to Spain, hopefully, and to, to Marbella. We've been a few times, and then there's some workshops um, throughout the throughout the UK still going on. So we've done our we did our first uh, workshop a couple of weeks ago down in London. That was uh, the first one back after after COVID. So it was good to get back on the road and actually coaching in front of people um, again. I'm doing I'm doing a couple of um, breathing and breathwork workshops myself, um, but a lot of the a lot of the stuff I do with the breathing is um, uh, is working with either clients online or I've got some uh, online courses and workshops that um, it's one of the nice things that like Zoom allows us to do like we're recording this podcast by Zoom it allows us to actually connect with people all over the all over the country all over the world so um, the uh, the the breath work that I do is part of a, a little project that's uh, me and uh, me and Mrs Jacko the wife uh, so rootedlife.co.uk she's a functional health coach um, so the the holistic side of uh, health and wellness 
the, bre the breathing is one aspect of that, that that I do. She does all of the other wider um, health benefits and all the recipes for the um, for the uh, recipes for the nutritional side of things, as well as stress management, hormonal health, and all, all the everything that goes into the the wellness side of uh, functional uh, functional health. Brilliant. Well, it's it's cool to see you exploring different things and. Yeah, I, you know, thanks for for kind of taking people on the journey in terms of what you're posting on Instagram. It's been really cool to see you exploring, and I guess you know, um, people can use that as a bit of a, I guess, a filter. You know, if someone with your experience kind of goes, actually, you know, as an athlete and and also as a coach, now I can see the value in this. Um, then it helps people who maybe don't have as much experience and maybe as much of a BS filter to be able to go, okay, I'm going to spend yeah. some time and some resource and you know, pick up the book and have a read. So. Where would you recommend people go to start kind of if they wanted to dig into this on a, on a deep level? Um, so there's two, two amazing books. Um, the Auction Advantage, obviously, but uh, James Nestor's book, Breath. Um, even Patrick McEwen that wrote The Auction Advantage, he's, he, he openly has said a number of times in interviews, uh, James Nestor's book, Breath, is the best breathing book that there is on the market. <laughs> and I'm like, that's one of the things I love about Patrick is like, He's quite happy to say that someone else's book is better than his. I just think how many people, how many people would do that? But it's because he just wants, it's, it is, it's a genuinely amazing book. It's, it's different. It's written differently. James Nestor is a journalist by trade. Um, so it's written in a, it's written more like a story. Um, but yeah, that's a fantastic book. Um, and then um, obviously like I, like you mentioned, put uh, a lot of stuff on Instagram. So my Instagram's Jacko Human Flag. Um, I've got a YouTube uh, channel just for the breathing stuff. Uh, I've got a free breathing, better breathing ebook uh, that you can get from the website. I can, the, the, the rootedlife.co.uk website, I can send you a link for, for that. And there's, um, I did, I've got some online um, courses that you can work through at your own pace that uh, if people are interested in like the, getting the foundation of the basics of breath work, some of the exercises or some of the scenarios and things and breath holding and that type of stuff that I was talking about, the right, changing our biochemistry, improving the biomechanics of how we breathe. I cover all that in my sort of foundation breathwork course, um, which uh, people can people can check out from the website as well. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for your time again, mate. I really appreciate it, and yeah, great to to dive into what you've been doing and and get some of that information from uh, from what you've been collecting over the last few years. So thanks for that. No worries, my pleasure, mate. If only we knew this when we were back playing, when we were actually playing rugby, that would have been a, <laughs> that, would, that would have been a help. But unfortunately, not. The closest thing we got was like, put your hands on your heads. And take some big breaths in. You know, like that was the only type of thing, the type of thing that anyone would say. That's all we sort of, that's all we knew, unfortunately. So uh, it's nice now to be able to like, you know, I'd have loved to have known it when I was playing, but to be able to share it with other people is potentially, is far more impactful than just like knowing something yourself. So yeah, I really enjoy that. If you enjoyed this episode, there's a number of simple things you can do to help support the podcast. First, hit subscribe on your chosen podcast player so you're kept up to date with the latest episode releases. Second, you can leave us a review to help us reach more coaches and parents like yourself. Third, you can send this episode on to a coach or friend to help spread the word. And then fourth, you can find us on social media.